Y'all weak right now. Somebody say, we're going to go way back. Amen. We're going back to the Old Testament right now. We're going into the time when there were kings, when the time when prophets would prophesy, and if you didn't live right, you could die. Do you know in the Old Testament that you could die if you were a rebellious child? How many rebellious children in here are happy you didn't live in the Old Testament? Amen. Praise God. Do you know if you got caught stealing, you could get your arm cut off? If you accidentally got somebody's eye poked out, you would lose your eye. How many of those that already got your driver's license, gotten a wreck, are happy you don't live in Old Testament times, done walking around without an eye and a leg and an arm right now? Say amen. Davi, you better be saying amen better than everybody else. Come on, somebody say amen. Say amen for Davi who's already wrecked the church van. Say amen. Now teach you never to do it again, son. Everybody look with me in First First Kings eighteen sixteen. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. Now Obadiah is a prophet. Ahab is a king, and Elijah is another prophet. So here we go. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. Ahab went to meet Elijah. So what just happened here? Elijah was a prophet. He's doing prophetical things. Meaning, what does a prophet do? He prophesies what God. God says these things become written down in our scriptures. If it wasn't for the prophets, we wouldn't have the Bible, okay? And so this king Ahab, he's a wicked king, and he wanted to kind of pimp out Elijah. He didn't want him to be a holy man. Now Obadiah is kind of like the middleman. He's running between the prophet and the king. Now verse 17, when Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Everybody say a troublemaker. Now this king was so wicked that when he saw the righteous prophet, he called him a troublemaker. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a troublemaker? Now you might change your mind because I'm not talking about selling drugs. I'm not talking about getting pregnant as a young person. I'm not talking about getting in fights. I'm going to give you a different definition today of a troublemaker. Everybody say troublemaker. Now why did uh, King Ahab call Elijah a troublemaker? Somebody say troublemaker. The reason why he called him a troublemaker is because when everybody was doing wrong, Elijah was doing right. Now think about the trouble you can cause when you're doing the right thing, but people doing the wrong thing. So imagine you're in school. You're in the locker room, fellas. All of a sudden, the guy starts talking about, dude, man, I stole this out of a car out the parking lot. Look what I got. How many know if all the dudes are like, man, Joe, that's cool, man, and Joe, that's cool. But you go and tell the teacher, how many know those dudes in the locker room are going to call you a troublemaker? They're going to say, man, you're making trouble for us. Somebody say troublemaker. You see, I'm going to let everybody look up at me right now. Look up at me right here. I'm going to teach you today that living for Jesus don't always come trouble free. See, some of you right now have started coming to the youth group. You're excited. You want to serve God. You know how to shout hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Y'all know how to get excited. You know how to pray on your knees and weep before God. But you're starting to realize that there's some people that don't like what you're doing and you're actually making trouble. Maybe there's somebody in your family that don't like you coming to church. Maybe there's some of your old friends that don't like that you don't curse with them, go out and party with them, or say bad things and gossip about other people like you used to. Now they think you're a troublemaker. That's what it was like for Elijah. Somebody say troublemaker. Now look at verse 18. Look what Elijah says. I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your family, father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Everybody say troublemaker. Now I want you to turn to Acts 17 verse 1 because that was from the throwback. That was from the Old Testament. But now I'm going to show you a scripture in the New Testament. When Jesus came, did he make choir members? Did Jesus make church members? When Jesus came, what did he have 12 of? 12 what? Now listen, young people, don't let that gang take that word from us. We've been the first disciples on the block, amen? we the first disciples up in this thing. So don't let nobody tell you you can't be a disciple. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ because that's what Jesus came to make was disciples. Now, what is the book of Acts about Acts? Acts in a play, Act 1, Act 2, Acts in a movie, beginning, middle, and end. Acts of the Apostles is a book in your Bible that shows you what these apostles acted like. Now go to Acts 17, verse 1, and see how they acted. This is a lot of scripture. Look at your neighbor and say, he's breaking the word on us, man. 
Look at this. Pay attention as I read you these five verses. When they had finished passing through Amphilius and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. So these Christians are preaching to Jewish people, okay? As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, that's when they had church on Sabbath, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. Some may say, Paul said it's all about Jesus. So Paul went around telling other religions, baby, look, I'm glad y'all pray. I'm glad you don't kill and murder anybody. I'm glad you go to church on Sabbath. But I'm going to tell you something. That don't mean anything if you don't have Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, if loving Jesus is wrong, I don't want to be right. Come on, now look at verse 4. Now some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. All the women said, hey, prominent, amen, prominent women getting saved. Verse 5, but look right here, look right here, verse 5. But the Jews were jealous. Anybody ever see somebody get jealous? People get mad when they get jealous, want to fight when they get jealous. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters. Somebody say they were shady. Come on, thank you. Rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot. Man, these people got so jealous with Paul preaching about Jesus that, man, they got wicked people, shady people, and they started a mob in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. So imagine this. You ain't getting jumped because you representing King when others representing G's. You ain't getting jumped because of the tennis shoes you're wearing. You're not getting arrested because the police saw you steal something. Man, they're coming to bum rush your house. They're coming to beat you down all because you're doing and what? Making it about Jesus. Somebody say it's about Jesus. Now go to the next passage. Look at verse 6. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers from the city of Thistles. So imagine this. They come looking for me, but they can't find me, but they find King. They find Ellie. They find Jasmine. And they bring them out and they say, man, look, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. Man, Jeremiah's hanging out with them. Man, King's hanging out with them. Jasmine hanging out with them. Jason, right here, man, you're a good dude. So this is like where your name comes from, the Bible. Everybody say Jason's a good dude. Jason's hanging out with the apostles. And then what could they say? They go, man, these people have caused trouble all over the world. And Jason, welcome into his house. They are defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. King who? King who? What's his name? Amen. King Jesus. When they heard this, the crowds and city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. So they got locked up for preaching King Jesus. I want to talk to you today about when it will be wrong to serve Jesus. When the people around you say, man, hey, no, no, no. I liked it better when you cussed. I I liked it better when you gossip. When people tell you you're wrong for serving Jesus. Not with a show of hands, but search your heart right now. Especially the young people who have just started coming in the last three months. How many of you have already faced turmoil, trouble, because you serve Jesus? And think about those who have been in this youth group already for years. And now you're looking back over the time that you've been a Christian. Maybe you came two years ago to the youth group, a year ago to the youth group. Look back on that time. Have people always accepted you as a Christian? Have people always been happy? I guarantee you, some of you would have stories like the one I had. Everybody look up here. I remember when I first got saved, I wanted to go back to all my friends that did drugs and sold drugs, and I wanted to tell them about Jesus. I'm happy, man. I'm changed. I'm not stealing anymore. I'm not having sex anymore. I want to live for God, man. I want my friends to live for God. You know what? They didn't want to be around me anymore. They thought I was going to be a snitch. They thought I was going to get them in trouble. And then I told them, I said, man, look, I'm not going to tell on you. I ain't got nothing to do with this no more. I said, let me just come and hang out with you guys, man. And they said, okay, why don't you come and play video games? And so we came over to play video games. But they were smoking weed the entire time, drinking alcohol. And I said, man, look, dude, we can't even play video games without you guys drinking and doing drugs. And they said, that's what we do, man. What do you expect us to do? And I said, okay. So I called up my other friend and i said listen chums that's what we call them everybody say chums 
That's a white boy name I know, but everybody say Chams. It's okay to be white sometimes, amen, my Latinos and all my wonderful people here, amen. All my people have come. Did you ever notice I was a gringo from Fort Wayne, Indiana with the cornfields? Now I'm in Chicago, man. Just think about that. It's a miracle. Anyways, so my man Chomps, dude, I called him up and I said, Chomps, why are we not hanging out? Let's do something. Somebody said, let's do something. So I hang out with Chomps and I'm going to say, dude, let's go meet at Arby's for some lunch. Do you know that Chomps never came to lunch with me? Do you know that from that point on, everybody started going around saying, dude, Joe's crazy, man. Man, don't hang out with him. They actually didn't return my calls anymore. They didn't want to be with me. Then the next time they saw me, I was preaching the gospel at Three Rivers Festival. And you know what they were saying? Dude, you're an idiot. You're causing trouble. Shut up. Stop telling us about Jesus. You see, what's it going to be like for you? When you start living for Jesus, and that's what people say. And some of you might be like right now, well, man, I'm so happy that hasn't happened to me. Well, you know why it hasn't happened to you yet? Because you ain't living real for Jesus yet. Hello, I want you to listen to me. The reason why some of y'all haven't been persecuted for being a Christian yet, because you haven't been a real Christian yet. Because like this, I want you to think about this. If they put you on trial for being a Christian, would they have enough evidence in your life to convict you? Most of y'all would be on trial for a Christian. And they would say, no, not guilty. We ain't got no evidence on this girl. She definitely ain't a Christian. You see, people need to be able to look at your life and say, look, I got all types of evidence on this girl. She's always praying for me. She's always saying, don't curse she's always telling me and my friends not to go out with them dudes guilty that one's a christian so you've got to understand that being a christian both in the old testament in the new testament sometimes causes trouble look at your neighbor and say troublemaker amen i want to teach you three reasons right now why people will not like you serving god because it's not always going to be a yellow brick road singing in the rain with a bed of roses sometimes being a christian will be trouble look at your neighbor and say trouble look at luke chapter 21 verse 17 this is what jesus is saying number one because we serve the king of kings not the kings of this world why is it not always going to be easy being a Christian? Why will sometimes it cause trouble? Because you ain't serving the same king. You see, they're going to serve the king of entertainment. They're going to bow down to Kanye West. They're going to give their money to the movies. They're going to give their money to their clothes. And they're not going to like you telling them they should give their money to the poor and to the church. You see, you're going to be telling them, I don't cuss. I don't swear. I don't have sex before marriage. Why? Because I serve the king of kings. But they're going to tell you, oh, but Will Smith does it. Oh, but Drake does it. Oh, but this person does it. Little Wayne does it. You know why? Because they serve the kings of this world but you serve the king of kings look at luke chapter 21 verse 17 look at what my man jesus said jesus said y'all gotta look at this somebody say jesus said this sometimes i think you all think this is like makeup karaoke screen like i'm gonna put up on your pastor joe says give him all your money and your clothes no look at this jesus in your bible do y'all bring your bibles to church could you please open up that bible what is that book somebody get a bible open up a bible does your bible say this young man luke 21 17 let's everybody just close their eyes right now close your eyes and think of a beautiful place now brother you don't close your eyes read luke 21 17 all men will hate you because of me. Y'all don't have your eyes closed. Close your eyes and just think about pretty places. Think about baby Jesus in a manger. Little sweet baby Jesus. Come on. Think about sweet little baby Jesus all plump, nine pounds, eight ounces. Think about little baby Jesus. And now think about this. Read it again, brother. All men will hate me. Because... Oh. Try to read it. Look at it. Look at it, Steve. Now read it again. All men will hate you because of me. Jesus said, all men will hate you because of me. I thought Jesus was supposed to be cool with everybody. I thought Jesus was supposed to be like, dude, we're hanging out, man. This is my boy. We're having so much fun wakeboarding, dude. Get some air. Hold on. Jesus said, all men will hate you because of me. Do you know that you will run into trouble? Trouble. Not for doing bad things, but for doing the right thing. Without a show of hands, some of y'all have already made people angry because you started to serve God. And I want to tell you today, you're not doing anything wrong. And it may feel like that because you may have an older brother. 
You may have an older sister. You may have somebody in your life that you're thinking right now that, A, I'm not very cool anymore because they don't think I'm right coming to church. And it may be messing with your mind, and you might be thinking to yourself, like, like what's going wrong? They actually want me to go back to being who I was. They'll be my friend if I go back to denying Jesus. But Jesus said in Luke 21, 17, all men will hate you because of me. What are you going to do when you get the anger of men against you? The second reason why they don't love us is because we live by the word of God, not the opinions of man. Look at John 17, 14. Do you know that right now everybody loves Oprah Winfrey, man? Oh, man, you got love Oprah Winfrey. She give away cars. She give away all this nice stuff. You go to her, you know, her big old place over there, you know, her studio, man, on Green Street, which I've worked by before. And then she's so nice. She's going to talk to you. She's going to have people. People from Brokeback Mountain, and she's going to be having them be like, oh, I'm gay, and I'm so happy I'm gay. And she's going to have transgender children, and the transgender children are going to be like, I was born this way. And Oprah Winfrey's just going to be like, baby girl, I know you were born this way. We're going to accept you. Everybody accept them now. Let's all accept them. You know what I'm talking about? Why? Because Oprah Winfrey lives on the opinions of man. She wants to tell you what everybody wants to hear. Whatever you want to hear, she's going to tell you it's okay. Oh, it's okay. Oh, it's okay. Some of y'all, some of y'all don't want to be with your parents anymore. You don't want to be on your own. That's okay. You can start your own life. You can go make your own money. Just, just make sure you respect them. Send them a Christmas letter. Oh, that's okay. Y'all, y'all like the music you do. She'll have on all these non-Christian people singing a positive message. Oh, it's okay if you want to dress like Mar- Mariah Carey. Your stuff all hanging out. Oh, because that's so sexy. Look at that. Look at how cool she looks. You know what? She'll tell you what you want to hear but look what jesus told you look look at john 17 14 somebody said i don't care what she said i want to hear what jesus said look at what jesus said i have given them your word jesus is praying to the father he says i have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than i am of the world as i'm thinking about find that youtube video with oprah winfrey on i want them to see it you see because the moment you start telling people oh hold on that's okay. We love you if you were, if you feel you're gay. That's okay. But let me just tell you, let me tell you what the word says. The word says God made man and woman. That means you gotta repent of that. Well, we love you. Yes, we love you. But you gotta change. Oh, oh yeah. You, you wanna make money in this world? You wanna make it all about yourself? Oh yeah, we love you. That's okay. You wanna be a movie star? That's okay. We love you. But you gotta repent of your greed. You gotta repent of that. Oh yeah, yeah, it was your body. It was you that got pregnant. We understand that. But you commit abortion? You, you kill that baby? We love you. But you kill that baby? You're a murderer. You, you see, some of y'all young people, you see, you don't wanna stir no trouble up in school. See, you all just wanna get along with everybody. You, you don't wanna tell them what's right and wrong, do you? Because they're gonna say what back to you? What, what are people gonna say to you if you start telling them right and wrong? They're gonna say, don't. Judge me. Don't judge me. I want you to get over with it. Tell me when you got it ready, baby. Put it up. Dim the lights a little bit and watch this right here. Everybody say, we still love her. Amen. Put it up, baby. Watch this.
you're somewhere on the planet and you never hear the name of Jesus, you never hear the name of Jesus, but yet you live with a loving heart, you live as Jesus would have had you to live, you live toward the same purpose that Jesus came to the planet to teach us all, but you are in some remote part of the earth and you never heard the name of Jesus. You cannot get to heaven, you think? You see, look at that right there. Look at how the truth came out when she was presented with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody say, it's not my opinion. Say, it's the opinion of God. Now say, God's opinion is the truth. You can turn down the spotlight just a little bit. I want you to see what Jesus said. I have given them your word and the world hates them. Was Oprah Winfrey happy that that woman was preaching? Now, she was upset that she was ruining the show because they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. So the first reason that they don't love us is because we don't serve their king. We don't serve money. We don't serve their entertainment. We don't serve things that they serve. We serve the king of kings. Amen. The second reason why they don't like us is because we don't live by the opinions of man. Because opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got two and they always stink. I'm not here to tell you my opinion. It's not what Joe Wyrostic thinks. It's about what God thinks. And what God says is true. And that's how a T.I. is, baby, how it is. Amen? Now I'm going to tell you the third reason. Keep taking your notes, young people. Because we choose friendship with God over friendship with the world. Oh, baby, if you love me, you're going to still have sex with me, aren't you, baby? Come on. I'm telling you, I've had so many, you girls and guys can look at me and be all crazy. They pass, that ain't ever going to happen. You keep coming to this church, you get a boyfriend, a girlfriend, I guarantee you, you're going to hear these words come out of somebody's mouth. Your friends are going to tell you. I've heard it as a youth pastor ever since I've been around 15 years. Girls have come up to me and said, well, he tells me he loves me and that, and that if we're really going to be together, I've got to show him that I love him too. And he, he said that if I, if I put the commandments of God before him, then that means I don't love him. Sometimes you'll hear that from your parents. Well, it's okay to drink because me and your mom and dad drink. It's okay to smoke because we smoke. Oh, it's okay to curse because we curse. In the moment you say, oh, 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 hold up here, mom. I understand you brought me into this world, but somebody brought you into this world. And his name is G-O-D and his son is J-E-S-U-S. And this is what he said about that. And I've got to put that before everything else you're saying. You might say, Pastor, you want me to go run away from my parents? No, I'm not saying disrespect them. I'm not saying be mean to them. I'm just saying if they cause you to sin, it doesn't matter who it is. If they cause you to sin and say, it's okay because I say so, you better come back to the Word. Because I don't think y'all understand living in, in America right now, but there are people that are Muslims around the world, and when they decide to serve Jesus, where are you from, baby, the Philippines? There are Muslim people right now, my Panawi, come on, baby. There are some people right now in the Philippines in a certain island that are being overtaken by the Muslims. When they accept Jesus Christ, their parents will disown them. Their parents will say, do, do you still believe in the Shahada? Do you still recite that there is only one God, Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet? Do you still believe that? And if the child says, no, I don't believe Muhammad's a prophet. I only believe Jesus is the Son of God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father but by him. I'm telling you, I know people. I know the stories are real. They've got kicked out of their house by their own parents, disowned, because they said, I'll put God first. Look at John, uh, James 4, verse 4. You adulterous people. Somebody say he called them tricks. This is the Bible right here. You say the Bible said that? Yes, it did. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Now imagine my wife comes home 9 o'clock at night, King, got a little candlelight on, a little Barry Manilow, a little Art Kelly playing in the background, woman in lingerie. She comes in. My wife walks in, and then she says, who's that? And I say, she's just my friend. How many know my wife is going to hate somebody up in that house? 
How many know my wife's going to get very upset about somebody being in that house? She's going to say, you don't have the right to be friends with somebody like this. And God said the same thing, James 4, 4, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship, being all buddy-buddy with the world, listening to the music the world does, liking the video games. Man, they got video games. You can be a, 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 a rapist and a murderer playing these Grand Theft Auto video games. You know that doing those things, gossiping with your girlfriends, doing stuff with your, your, your friends behind corners, knowing that you don't think anybody sees, but God sees. He says, don't you know, friendship with the world is hatred toward God. Now, hold on. This is, a, this is a serious thing. I thought God loved everybody. He does love everybody, but he's going to judge everybody, too. You better understand this, young people. There's a hell, and there's not a teenage part of hell and an adult part of hell. There's only one hell, young people. Jesus talked about it more than he did heaven. You know why? Because he doesn't want you to go there. It says anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an, becomes a enemy of God. I don't care if you think you're a cute, cuddly sinner. I don't care if you think you're a sweet, great-great-great-grandmother sinner. It doesn't matter how cute and cuddly they are. It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter how smart they are. If you live as a friend of this world, the Bible says you become his enemy. Now, Jesus Christ gives you forgiveness if you repent. But if you do not repent, you will suffer eternal condemnation. I didn't say that. Jesus said it. So put up the next screen for me, please. Here are the three reasons why the world hates us. Number one, because we serve the king of kings and not the kings of this world. Some may say amen. Amen. Because we live by the word of God and not the opinion of men. Everybody say amen. Thank you. And number three, because we choose friendship with God over friendship with the world. Well, we ain't going to be friends no more than amen. All right. You made it easy on me. I'm going to go to church. Thank you. Thank you. The gift of goodbye. Hello. I bless you with that gift. God bless you. Here's my gift. Goodbye. You see, there comes a point in your life you have to make a decision who comes first, God or somebody else. Now, I'm going to give you three reasons why it's worth being a Christian and causing trouble in this world. Number one, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, 2 through 3. The first reason why it's worth it is because you always got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Being with Jesus makes it all worth it. See, I'm not talking about my imaginary friend. I'm not talking about Peter Pan. I'm talking about I get to be with Jesus. When we get out of this, a friendship with Jesus, the man who died on the cross for your sins, the one who rose again on the third day. If you want to stick through troubled times when people are making fun of you, keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 11 says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't give up. Come on, say it like you mean it, young people. Say, neighbor, don't give up. Do you know you don't crucify somebody you love? Why did they crucify Jesus, young people? Why do you think they crucified him? Because they hated him so much. Have you ever seen the passion of the Christ? You see what they did to somebody when they crucified him? They would whip him 39 times. Those whips that they would use wasn't just one whip. It had nine little pieces of leather on it. They called it the cat of nine tails. So that one handle had nine pieces of leather coming out of it. On those leather pieces, they put broken pottery, sharp stones, and glass, so that when a dude was whipped one time, it would cut into their flesh and then pull it out as they pulled it back. These Roman soldiers were trained in torturing people. Jesus was whipped 39 times, nine times. That's how his body was laid open. Then they put a cross on him that weighed as much as a railroad tie. Have you ever seen a railroad tie made of wood? He put this on, they put it on his back, 150 pounds after he had been up all night. Then they blindfolded him, spit in his face, punched him, pulled out his beard and said, tell us who did it if you're really God. And then they drug him up this road in front of everybody, possibly naked at this point or already in his undergarments. Then they put him up on the hill for the whole city to see and put the nails, nine inch nails, through his arms and through his legs. And there they let him suffocate, choke on his own blood. But when he was up there enduring such opposition from sin, Sinful men. Did he give up? Did he lose 
heart? No. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Then he breathed his last breath. Ha! And he says, it is finished. Glory to God. And so I want to tell y'all young people up in here, it don't matter if they whip you, beat you, spit on you, put a crown of thorns on your head. It doesn't matter if they mock you, call you lame, call you a nerd. Don't invite you to their birthday parties. Don't let you come to homecoming. Let me tell you something. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because if he went through the cross for you, he can give you the power to go through any trouble and persecution and any circumstance you face. Why? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Number two, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John 2.15. Stay in love with God and stay away from sin. I guarantee you, you'll be happier when you don't cuss. You'll be happier when you're not greedy. You'll be happier when you're not bitter in your heart. You'll be happier without that dude in your life, ladies, that don't treat you right. You'll be happier when you live pure and holy guys without pornography. When you stay in love with Jesus, there's nobody that can take his place. As the old singer said, there's a God-shaped hole inside of all of us that only God can fill. You will not feel satisfied in life until God fills you with his presence. Look at what 1 John 2, 15-17 said. Don't love the world or anything in the world. What did the Bible call people who love the world? What was that A word? What did he call them? adulterers. So here's what John says. Don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the money, the cars, all these things, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, you can't have both loves. You can't be loving God with all your heart and be loving money with all your heart. You cannot be loving God with all your heart and love sex, money, and drugs and all this crazy stuff. He said, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes. Man, I got to get that. Man, I got to get those shoes. Man, I got to get that car. I got to get that girlfriend. I got to have that house. I got to have that job. All the lust of your eyes and the boasting of what he has and does. Man, look what I got. You know what rap is today on the secular media? Not Christian rap, which I love, but look what I got. Look what I have. And then you listen to rock and roll, dude, and they talk about what they don't have. My life is miserable. I'm cutting myself up. Clown, you know, demonic posse, slip not like one's talking about what they do have, other one's talking about what they don't have. Both of them jacked up. Talk about what God has. Amen. Does not come from the Father, but comes from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man or woman who does the will of God lives forever. Somebody say forever. If you today want to live for God, keep your eyes on Him. And then number two, put it in your heart. I'm going to love God. I'm not going to love this world. I'm not going to try to boast about what I have. I'm not going to make it all about the things down here. I'm going to make it about who God is. Don't you know love on the inside is the most powerful thing you can ever have in life? And the Bible says God is love. What can you trade for love? What can you go to Walgreens and buy that can compare to love? What can you compare to love with a Hummer or a car or your education from Harvard. What can you compare to living with God forever? There is no comparison. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everybody say amen. And then the third thing is this, love and forgive your enemies, Matthew 5, 44. Because listen to me, people are going to hate on you. People are going to get on your nerves. And they're going to say, look at that Bible person again. Man, look at that person right here. Man, I'm telling you, I myself go out and hang out with my friends when we go wakeboarding. These non-Christians, you know what they try to say? Oh, look at you. You don't cuss. You don't drink. <laughs> we get to drink beer, you know. And they try to make me look like I'm dumb, like because I don't drink beer. But I'm going to tell you something. I still love them and I still forgive them. I'm still praying for Oprah Winfrey to get saved. You see, you can't hate your enemies. Even God loves his enemies for God. So love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so God is bidding people to come. He's like, man, come back to me. Come back to me. Do you know that my man Corn had, you know, the Corn is like a rock and roll group. His name is Head. That's what they called him. He was a drummer for a corn. And he was doing drugs. He was partying, living a wild life. And as he was doing all of that, he thought he was going to die, man. He lost his wife. He lost his child. But one day somebody said, look, man, you got to come to church with me, Head. you got to see this. He thought his friend was crazy. This is a professional rock star. Look him up online. Put that on there, man. Head's testimony.
testimony. Find that from corn. And you know what he did? He came to church. And the pastor said just what I'm talking about. Man, listen, if you come to Jesus right now, God is going to talk to you. You're going to feel Jesus. So you know what he went home and did? He went home and did drugs. And he said, I'm ready to talk to Jesus. And guess what? God actually honored his heart. Now, don't try this at home because that was wrong. But he actually started talking to Jesus. And then you know what he did? He flushed all this drugs down the toilet. And you might be like, yay! But you know what? People in the band hated him. They persecuted him. A lot of his fans and friends, they started to get angry and upset with him. They said, why are you doing this? And it wasn't until he put out the book that's now out of his life story that they could read the whole thing and see that, man, he was a hurt person. He was hiding behind the drugs, but God loved him. I want you to forgive everybody that hates you, everybody that comes against you, everybody that calls you names. You see, we're not here to be angry with them. We're not here to fight against Oprah Winfrey. We're here to pray and love for them. Don't be angry with your mom. Don't be angry with Cousin Flacco. Amen. Love Cousin Flacco. Look at your neighbor and say, love Cousin Flacco. Everybody's got a Cousin Flacco, a crazy dude in your family. And if you don't know a crazy dude in your family, guess what? You're the crazy person in your family everybody's thinking of right now. Everybody understand this. You've got to forgive them. Look at Matthew 5, 44. Here it is. Jesus talking. He said this. Pray for your enemies. Put it up for me, sister soldier in the back. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 5, 45. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So what does God want you to do right now for people who persecute you? Forgive and pray for them. Forgive and pray for them. Forgive and pray for them. You know people have made fun of me, but I forgive and I pray for them. Some of my friends that used to make fun of me actually gave their lives to Jesus. And they said, dude, thank you for showing me the right way. One of my good friends is now living for God, bringing his whole family to church. And when I first got saved, I went over to his house. He was a dude I used to skateboard with. And you know what? I said, dude, you need to give your life to Jesus. And he said, you are crazy. But I said, no, I'm going to do it. Put up these three things right here. This is what it's about today. Why does the world hate us? Because we serve the king of kings and not the kings of this world. Why do they hate us? Because we live by the word of God, not the opinions of man. Why do they hate us? Because we choose friendship with God over friendship with the world. Now, what do you do about that? You put your eyes on Jesus. You stay in love with God and you stay away with sin and you love and you forgive your enemies. Give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Do you have that video ready? Amen. I want you to watch this video of a man who was on drugs, who was tore up from the floor up, and how he gave his life to Jesus. Man, look at your neighbor and say, this is what it's about. Amen. Go ahead and put that up right here.
absolute nightmare. It was like, what's going on? You know, I saw all the cells being erased. I was even thinking about talking to people that were hooked up with conning people that could like hurt this guy, you know. And I was like, uh, "Either I'm gonna go that route and step over that that line, or I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna mess with it." And well, wait, so she got killed, or she did? Is she still alive? Yeah, she's alive. She's doing good right now. What's she doing? And um, you know, she's she's had she's had a hard life, you know, and, and she was growing up and stuff. So she's got a lot of issues that she's dealing with. But right now, she's doing good, and I'm praying that she stays good. Yeah, there you go. What, what was that, what was doing all that little girl that was trying to change you? You know, it just, this little girl, when, when my wife left me, when she came on the road with me, you know, I, I quit the drugs immediately. And I took her on the road, tried to bring her around a heavy metal lifestyle, and this kid, like, and, and there's these big old security guards that I got, and everyone's, like, loving her, being out there, and it just, she just brought that that uh, innocence and that, that purity and, and, and it helped me get through it and it just helped me want to man up, I guess they say. <laughs> and I did for a while, but I don't know, the drugs just had a grip on me and that lifestyle had a grip on me, so uh, I just sunk back into it and became what I always thought that I was. So you learned time along the road to all that disease, huh? When was that? That was uh, the beginning of 2005. Yeah. Um, tried to go to outpatient rehab because when you're on crystal meth you get really like paranoid and so I couldn't go to this rehab and just you know sit in toilet rooms and all that and so uh, I tried to go to outpatient rehab and it didn't work and I met some people that I was uh, friends with doing business with actually and they invited me to church and I went and I was strung out all night I didn't sleep for a couple days and went to church and I just felt something and, 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 and the guy said that Jesus is real the pastor was just trying to come talk to him, and, you know, saying, hey, fuck, like, take things out of your life that's hurting you and stuff, and, and in my sick mind, I was like, I'm just going to go home, and I'm going to do my drugs like I normally do, and I'm going to just talk to Jesus, and that's what I did. I did drugs, and I talked to Jesus, and what did you say? I just, I remember I, I snorted, or I, I chopped up my lines, and I just, I snorted my lines, and I just looked up, and I got real, you know, and I said, Jesus, if you're real, take these drugs from me because I'm going to die if I don't get going right now. And I remember I said, Lord, check my heart right now. And I stayed silent. And I said, you know I want to quit. And I said, if you're real like this guy says, you know, take this stuff from me. Make me become a good father for my kids. And I waited for him. Within a couple weeks, I just felt the power and the urge to throw everything away. All gone. And I didn't know what's gone. I didn't know it was just gone. I Within the two weeks, I slipped one time yeah. because I found some more. But when I patted your eye, it's like uh, a million platters the last time I was in the That's keeping it real. I remember I was on the last little bit, and I was coming through the Bible going, Is this stuff real? Is this true? You know, I need this to be real. And all of a sudden, I felt a peaceful presence of heaven open over me and came over me. And I was like, I looked up, and I was like, There's God. And I knew it was God. And all of a sudden, this fatherly love came into me. It came out of me. And I was able to look at my daughter and I said, throw away all my drugs and literally take your hands. I'm going to be home with you every day. No bananas. No more tools. No more tapes. Just live up. And it was like my life was instantly changed. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. Come on. Stand up to your feet. I want the band to come. And I want to close out with this quote. Put it up for me, please, what Tertullian said. I want everybody to look at this. Somebody say troublemakers. Some of you don't understand this, but for the first 300 years of Christianity, people gave their lives for Jesus. We talked about the disciples, remember? Jesus didn't come to make churchgoers. He didn't come to make choir members. He came to make disciples. Somebody say disciples. Some people want to know what happened to those disciples. Well, Andrew, one of the disciples, he was crucified from an olive tree in a town in Greece. Bartholomew, a disciple of Jesus, was crucified upside down. James, the brother of John, he was stoned to death and buried by the temple. James 
the half-brother of Jesus, was cut in half with a sword. These are the disciples of Jesus. John, who we read his book today, was boiled in hot oil. Matthew, who we say the gospel of Matthew. Matthew was speared to death. Peter, some of you don't know this, but Peter himself was crucified upside down. And then Paul, who we read today, was beheaded by the same emperor. One was crucified upside down, and Paul was beheaded. Remember what Jesus said? They're not going to love you. They're going to hate you. But you forgive them. Philip, he was crucified. That was their way of executing people back then. Simon the Zealot, he was one of the only ones to live and die at an old age. Thaddeus was speared, or excuse me, Thomas went to India as a missionary, the one who said, I will not believe unless I touch you, Jesus, at the resurrection. He said, I won't believe unless I touch my Savior. He touched him and he believed. He went to India as a missionary and he was thrust with spears. This man here, Tertullian, was a disciple of those disciples. He met the original disciples. He was around during 150 to 229 A.D. And this is what he wrote when he saw his mentors, his spiritual fathers, the people he looked up to being crucified, being beheaded, everybody spitting on them, everybody hating them. This is what he wrote. He said, we say we are Christians. We proclaim it to the whole world even under the hands of the executioner and in the midst of all the torments you afflict upon us to compel us to unsay it. Say you're not a Christian and we won't kill your family. Say you're not a Christian and we won't kill your dad. No matter what you do, we will not unsay it. Torn and mangled and weltering in our own blood, we cry out as loud as we are able to cry. We are worshiping of God through Christ Jesus. We are worshipers of God through Christ Jesus. We cry it out so everybody can hear. We are worshipers of God through Christ Jesus. We are worshipers of God through Christ Jesus. We are worshipers Worshippers of God through Christ Jesus. We are worshippers of God through Christ Jesus. We are worshippers of God through Christ Jesus. Every head bowed and eyes closed in this place. What are you willing to give up for Jesus today? What are you willing to give up for Jesus? The people in the Old Testament, when they didn't go along with the wicked kings, the presidents of their day, they were brought before courts and accused of being troublemakers. And Elijah looked right back to Ahab and said, I'm not the troublemaker. You're the troublemaker. You and your father's house have disobeyed God. In the New Testament, when Paul was preaching, Jason led him into his house. Some people got saved. Some prominent women got saved. But some people got jealous. Because they weren't coming to their things no more. They weren't doing their thing anymore. They weren't buying their albums anymore. They weren't watching them. Let me tell you something. This world only likes you as much as you're giving them what they want. You tell this world you're not going to give it what they want anymore. They will turn their back on you. 
You tell that boyfriend that says, I love you, I love you. You tell him you won't have sex with him. He will turn his back on you. People who say, oh, I always love you. Turn your back on you. They brought Jason and his family before the whole city. And they said, look, 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 look. This person is a troublemaker. Look at all the trouble they brought to our city. Why? Because they didn't serve the kings of this world. They were worshipers of God through Christ Jesus. There's no altar call today. There's nothing to make it easy for you today. There's no pastor prayer for you today. All I'm going to do in this service before we dismiss and have a time of awesome fellowship in the cafe, going back to our normal lives, all I'm going to do is let you, where you are, between you and God, you decide what you're going to be today. Friend of the world or a friend of God. Torn and mangled weltering in our own blood we cry out as loud as we are able to cry we are worshipers right now it's between you and God young people it's your turn to pray pray right where you are let your neighbor hear you let your friend hear you You've heard your pastor. I made up my mind. I've come three and a half hours from my hometown. I don't have my mom and dad here. I don't have my brothers and sisters. I don't have the kids I went to high school with here. Come on, I've already decided who I'm going to be. I've already forsaken all for Jesus. I turned down wakeboarding late night to come here. I already made my decision. What's your decision? How are you going to live in front of your friends? What type of person are you going to be? Come on, is that just a little fad? You come to youth group, it's just a little fad. It's just a little something to do to make you feel better. What are you going to do when it doesn't feel good? What are you going to do, young people, when people say, we hate you now that you're a Christian? We hate you that you go to church on Friday night. That's so stupid. What, what do you mean you don't want to go to this concert? What do you mean you don't want to go to the homecoming dance? What, what are you talking about? That's so lame. What are you talking about? Everybody in your family drinks, son. Everybody cusses. Everybody skips church. We've always done that, son. We've always done that, daughter. It's okay. You don't always got to read your Bible. It's okay. I don't read my Bible, son. Daddy don't read it. Mommy don't read it. Don't got to read it. Don't listen to that pastor. Don't listen to that pastor. That pastor's lying to you. Come on, children. Who are you going to serve? Who's your daddy? God the Father? Or just the earthly people that are here today? You say, Pastor, you're scaring me. I'm trying to get you to realize, young people, you will serve right now. Some of you, if you committed murder, you would serve an adult sentence. You would be tried as an adult. I'm telling you, in God's court, you are an adult. You are responsible for who you serve in this world. Your mom and dad have a problem, have them come and see me. I'll read the whole scripture to them again. Why? I can't come to the youth group anymore. Well, then at least you heard it on your last sermon. God bless you. We still love you. This pastor's not going to patty cake you. This pastor's not going to lie to you. Jesus said these things. Do you know that John, who wrote the Bible, who was boiled alive, John was only 16 years old following Jesus as a disciple. Some of y'all didn't know. Timothy, the book of your Bible, Timothy, about 18 years old, young adult. I'm going to let you all pray. I'm going to stop preaching at you. I'm going to make my life right one more time between me and my God. Worship band, don't sing. Just play the music. If you don't know it, son, sit down. I need the band playing right now. That's all that I need, and I need young people praying. I need young people praying. If you want to pray, now if you don't want to, that's up to you.
Come on, keep playing, guys. Don't stop. Just sing out His name, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, girls, sing it out. We're worshipers of God. Through Christ Jesus. martyrs.com and look up William Winbrandt and see how he was put in jail for over 15 years in Romania when they told him that God didn't exist when the Russian government and they joined together in what became the Soviet Union they said God does not exist a whole government said if you worship God we'll throw you in jail and they threw William Winbrandt in jail a godly pastor a man with a wife and kids voiceofthemartyrs.com you can get his book for free tortured for christ is the name of the book happened during the time of world war ii they put william winbrandt in jail the first thing they did is they isolated him and they started trying to deprogram him and brainwash him they started putting on continual teaching there is no god you are all alone There is only science. The government is the only thing you are aligned to. Be allegiant to the communist government. Your God has forsaken you. You have no God. You are alone. And they left him there hour after hour brainwashing him. He said that people that he had come with, he could hear them screaming saying, I'll change my mind. I'll change my mind. Just let me out of here. Whatever it takes. But he didn't give up. Then they figured that the ones that were stronger, they had to do other things with. So what they did is they began to have people come in from the outside. Women, men, dressed in nice clothes, into the solitary cell. And they began to come in, and they would bring food. And they would promise him a job. They would say, look... Look at all that I have. Look at the clothes I have. The government has changed. This is the new order. Stop believing in God. Eat this food. And the government will give you a new job. They'll reassign you a place. This is a true story, young people. I'm sorry it's not as cool as Drake. I'm sorry it's not as cool as Transformers. I'm sorry it's not a movie yet you can download on an iPhone. It's a true story. And tears coming down his eyes as they were starving him. He said, no, I can't do it. I just, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I can't deny Jesus. They realized that it wasn't working. We're not talking he was there for two years, a couple weeks. He was there for 15 plus years. So then they said, we have a way to, these people devised a way to torture his mind. 
they said we'll have him write a letter to his family. Convince him that his family can come and see him. So they said, write a letter to your family and we'll send it to them. And then you can maybe have some refreshing times. You'll, you'll, you'll be a bit better. But they threw away the letters. And they played over the loudspeakers the next week. Your family has become communist and they're ashamed of you and they will not come and see you. They have already turned their back on Christianity and they have forgotten about you and another person has married your wife and someone else is raising your children. He had already been there for years. Ten plus years at this time. And, and, and he didn't even know what to think. And he said... Even if everyone leaves me, I still have Jesus. And he began to make up a song in his jail cell because he was out in Siberia. He began to write a song in his heart. With the love flame inside my heart for Jesus, it will melt the ice of Siberia. With my heart on fire for Jesus it will melt the ice of Siberia and he began to worship God the Americans came and liberated him he came out found his wife and children never forgave never forsook God they were waiting for him but they were told he died he gave his family the whole story wrote the book, came to America, started a website, and said, voiceofthemartyrs.com. And now today where our underground churches in China are suffering, Muslim nations like Pakistan and Afghanistan, the man has died now. But this organization goes on. I get the magazine once a month. Students here in the SUM Bible College get it. You will read the stories of girls who have had hot oil poured on them because they've served God. Young men in Africa who have had their arms cut off so they can't plow the fields. All all because they've served Jesus. My friends, I want to tell you something, not to mock you, but whatever you're facing here is nothing compared to what they're facing there. But I got good news. They make it, and so will you. You will make it out of high school a Christian. You will make it to college as a Christian. You will not give up. You will go the distance. You don't have to be afraid. Because in those times of persecution, God will give you the words to say. God will give you the strength. You may feel that you're afraid. Like Casey and Columbine. They were after two people that day. Two kinds of people. Black people and Christians. And when they found Casey and Columbine, they said, do you believe in Jesus? She stood up. She said, yes, I do. They pulled the trigger. But I want to tell you something. She stood her ground and she went from standing on tile in Columbine in high school to standing in streets of gold before the king of kings and lord of lords and the first thing he heard her say was well done my good and faithful servant this is the kingdom I've prepared for you hold your neighbor's hand and prepare for battle hold your neighbor's hand and prepare to go out into a world that will reject you that will say evil about you, that will persecute you. Get ready for family to deny you, to get upset with you. Get ready for close friends to say we don't like you. But no, every step you take, you're getting closer to the God who created you. Father, we've made covenants to you. No one can make it. I can't make it happen for them. One last story because I got so many. In that same time, when they were persecuting people in Russia, in Soviet Union, places like Romania, one soldier converted to Christianity out of the government. But he had not let anyone know yet. And they were having a church service underground. So he had to come in his uniform with his gun. And when he came in, everybody stared and looked at him. He then took advantage of the moment and he said, whoever is willing to deny Jesus and not die, if you're willing to deny him and live, you can leave right now. And people began to run out of that underground church.
He then set down his gun, took off his uniform, and he said, now we know who the real ones are. Let's have church. True story, my friends. You have no idea what people have given up to serve Jesus. You're holding somebody's hand right now. You don't know what they'll face. You don't know what trial and test they'll have to go through. You don't know how hard it will be for them. But all I want you to do is just pray the way I pray right now. You can't make them do it, people. But you can pray that the covenant they made, the decision they made, God will give them the strength to live it out. Father, we pray for all of our friends, all of our neighbors, whoever made the decision because you gave us a free will and the devil didn't make us do it and you can't make us do it. So God, we choose those of us to live for you. Now God, we ask that each one of us will have strength to live it out. If the gangbangers can bring their colors, we're going to bring our Bible and set it on the school table in the lunchroom. People can act all crazy bumping their music. We're going to bump Jesus' music. They want to wear their t-shirts. We're going to wear shirts with scriptures on it. We aren't afraid. Jesus, help us keep our covenant to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, soldiers. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say we bow down.